Hi, and welcome to Reverse Sequels. My name is Ellie, and with me, as always, is... Patrick. And on today's podcast, we are discussing all the movies we've discussed on this podcast. Join us as we talk about 25 movies and their sequels. This is Reverse Sequels 50th Movie Special. I'm so excited about this. We've been talking about this, believe it or not, since Ride Along. We've been talking about when we get to 50 episodes, we're going to do a special. And I can't believe that we've made it this far. What started as a germ of an idea has blossomed (laughs) into a beautiful podcast that you should tell your friends, your family, strangers about. Especially strangers. Just stop them on the street and tell them about it. I mean, we do. So today, we're kind of, kind of have an outline of what we want to talk about. We're going to play some clips of some of our best moments. We're going to give out some awards in some different categories. We're going to recap these movies, their sequels, as we've discussed them, learned about them over the last... 50 episodes? Yeah. So, I mean, when you think about it, what we've done is insane. We watched 25 sequels without having seen the originals. Then we went and watched the originals afterwards 25 different times. And we're still on the journey. We're only halfway there. We've got a lot of movies coming up. I want us to get to 100. Yeah. Yeah. But along the way, we've learned lots of things about movies, and we wanted to share that with you. Yeah. This was the first thing, I think, that we learned that kind of... The first pattern that we learned that really like blew our minds. Almost all sequels involve a dead wife or mother. Yeah, this we learned since Paul Blart. Since episode one, Paul Blart is kind of on the cutting room floor. Not our best, <laughs> but very valuable insights into the sequel genre. Is yeah. it its own genre? I think so. I don't. There's so many similarities between these movies, even though they're totally different. But I think the sequel itself is a genre. I think there's enough parallels between sequels. So I think we should start right off the bat with sequel themes. I already started with it. The first one was Dead Wives. <laughs> I just wanted to add some more pomp and circumstance. <laughs> okay. Sequel themes. So, the funny thing is, Paul Blart's wife actually not dead. She just disappeared. (laughs) But that set us up thinking about dead wives. And later, wives are dead. I want to add the caveat. Dead wives, absentee mothers. Or dead mothers. Because usually, where there's a dead wife, there's a child involved. Yeah. So, it's two sides of the same dead woman coin. Oh, so, okay, I like that. So, you're saying dead couldn't mean just absent so dead to the child possibly possibly so Paul Blart's baby mama counts we get a lot of stories about men and their children and missing women so it first happened in Paul Blart that we went on and on about how important his dead wife was going to be to his character then it came up again in the expendables right you spent a lot of time talking about how Sylvester Stallone must have this dead wife then we watched the original and it was never mentioned But you still stuck to your guns that there was a dead wife that just wasn't being talked about. He has a a ring with special meaning. (laughs) 
He has a faraway look in his eye. He has attachment issues with women. I think it's there. It's there. Then we watched a movie called Wrath of the Titans, uh, which was the sequel to Clash of the Titans. And that was our first bona fide actual dead wife. Yes. Then we watched Pup Star. <laughs> we get the full Monty in that one. We yeah. get uh, a dead mom, a dead wife, and a dog's dead and missing mother as well. Yeah. So human and canine. <laughs> <laughs> it was all there. Missing and, wives and mothers. Yeah. And since then, for some reason, that's become a recurring theme. And I think it's because most of the movies we've watched, I'd say 99% of them have had a male protagonist. Yeah. Other than Bad Moms, they all have. And Pup Star, because it was a dog. Yeah. And maybe Dolphin Tail, if you count the dolphin as being the main character. Yeah, possibly. (laughs) But mostly a male protagonist. And I think it's a lazy screenwriter's way to add some, you know, emotional backstory to try to, like, give some edge to your character, to give them a haunted past, to make them seem more interesting without having to do anything. Is to just kill off all the women. (laughs) Yeah. We see it in Best of the Best, Bad Moms, Dolphin Tail, and Pacific Rim. Yes. So they're just killing women left and right. Another feature of the sequel genre is new locales. Yes. So this is one I could have maybe predicted before we started this, but it is fascinating. I actually counted them up. Out of the 25 pairs of movies we've done, 15 have been in a different location. Oh, get out. I wasn't counting. It did seem like (laughs) a lot, and it seemed like the same three places. Las Vegas, Miami, and London. Yep. Yeah. That's exactly. And sometimes they're even in the title. Destination London, Assignment Miami Beach. Those are the big ones that come up a lot. But Alien and Predator in Las Vegas. <laughs> okay, that would have been awesome. That would have been way better than the actual Alien versus Predator. Just Requiem. imagine them at the craps table, hitting neon signs with their tails. Killing their blackjack dealer. Yeah. You know, they busted. That would have been great. Um, yeah, and that's not even count. There were some I didn't count where they're in a bunch of different locations. So, like, Pacific Rim is all over the place. But these are just where the original took place in primarily one setting, and then the sequel moved it to another setting. Mm-hmm. And then again, I think just laziness. I think it's just, what do we do to make it different? Uh, how about they go to Miami? Spice it up. I don't know. Which, do you think it actually adds anything? Well... As we will get to when we get to our tally, I think it may. Really? We'll see. Okay. Um, another feature is loss of a character, a main character from one movie to the other, either going sequel to original, original to sequel, depending <laughs> on the order you're watching them in. But a lot of main characters drop off between mm-hmm. two films. Yeah, so this is really fascinating. So this is very distinct from The Dead Wife, because The Dead Wife is often not mentioned. It's often part of the backstory. This we're talking about, there's a star of a first movie or a big part of a first movie who disappears in the sequel, or like you said, vice versa. Sometimes there's a person so central to the sequel that we predict they are going to be a big part of the original, and they're not there. Can I just name a few? Please. Paul Blart's wife. <laughs> Kick it off. Vin Diesel, Fast and the Furious. Angie Harmon, Agent Cody Banks. Honey, 
from Honey. Yeah, the title character drops out of that one. Steve Gutenberg from Police Academy. The Asian love interest, I don't know her name, from Transporter. The partner from French Connection. The whole cast of Baby Geniuses. (laughs) And probably most missed of all, Rob Schneider from Grown Ups. Oh, I know. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, this is so fascinating because in all those cases you mentioned, like, there's no mention of them. There's no explanation. Wiped off the face. So when we're talking about this, we're just like, is Honey dead? What happened to, you know, Roy Scheider and French Connection 2? Like, they're gone and there's no explanation and it makes no sense. Like, they were so important to the first one. There needs to be an explanation for them being gone. And they're just like, no, nobody will notice if Rob Schneider's not in this and we never mention it. Needless to say, we are writing a book, (laughs) reverse sequels, looking back, sequels to the original. Well, Um, I think, instead of a book, I think we write our ultimate sequel. I think that's a great idea. And they're just, but I don't know how, if we don't actually write the original, how do we make sure that it's clear that there's a missing main character? Oh, we'll find a way. (laughs) So throughout this episode, we're going to be counting down our top five moments from the podcast so far. We hope you have fun listening to it because we have just as much fun making it. So these are top five. We sat down, went through all the top moments. These are our consensus top five in order. So we're going to start you off with number five. Then a little later on, we'll give you number four, so on. They'll be interspersed. Starting with number five, this is a moment from Transporter 2, one of the coolest action scenes I've ever seen, where Jason Statham kicks a guy's ass with two melons on his fists. At one point, Jason Statham puts two fruits on his fists. Wait, wait, wait. That sounds a little... (laughs) He, He... Punches his hands into two half melons and then has melon fists. (laughs) (laughs) And then then begins pummeling this guy with his melon fists. Who wrote that? I don't know. I loved it. (laughs) I absolutely loved it too. Green like Hulk hands and he starts beating this guy with the melons. I am going to say it again. I said it in Expendables. When you eliminate the use of guns, this creative, creative. Oh, it comes out. These creative action scenes that are so exciting and fun and intricate come alive. Another thing that we've learned that this to me is the most fascinating thing. Sequels have a bad rap. Like, usually when you're talking about sequels, it's one of the most maligned genres, if you call it a genre. One of the most maligned things is a movie sequel. William Goldman, the famous screenwriter, wrote Princess Bride, once said, like, every sequel is done just for the money. That if you really had anything more to say, you would have said it in the first one. Every sequel is just about the money. Was there a Princess Bride 2? No. No, because he doesn't do sequels. (laughs) But You scared me for a minute. But so, so, so people like to shit on sequels a lot. So I was expecting us to like the original most of the time. And we kept a tally. Beginning in Paul Blart, we just randomly asked, which did you like better, Paul Blart 2 or Paul Blart 1? And now we've asked that question for every single pair that we've asked. And I would have guessed before this process, I would have guessed we would like the original more often than not. But let the record show, I have the results here, if you want me to read them out. Of the 25 movies, 
that we have watched, you have preferred 10 originals and 15 sequels. Yeah. So sequels are winning out. And I'm a little closer. I prefer 12 originals and 13 sequels, but still sequels are dominating, which gives rise to the theory order matters. Yeah. I mean, that blows... If you had told me it was even, or if you had even told me it was close, I would be surprised. The fact that we like the sequel more, I think, yeah, it says something about the order. That's something we actually touched on in Agent Cody Banks, our fourth movie. We talked about this phenomenon. Why are we liking the sequels more? So we have a clip of that I'm going to play now. Here's my only argument for the first one being better. The second one might have only been good because we're watching it to try to figure out what the first one was about. So oh, like that's we have some, we have something to do to like actively watch, you know? So it's like you're watching it for educational purposes. Like you're watching it for science. Then when we got to what we called VHS 2, which even though VHS had one of our favorite moments ever, <laughs> uh, we both liked VHS 2 better. Then we really started talking about why is this phenomenon yeah. happening? So for me, VHS 2 was a better movie. I want to say that I liked VHS better because it did have the succubus ripping off a guy's whole dick and balls. But I can't. I can't. Overall, as a movie, VHS 2, I think, was better. And I'm I'm just worried because we keep liking the sequels better. And is it because we watched them first? I I don't think so. I know it's a small sample size, but... I think what we're discovering here is, like, groundbreaking, that people (laughs) always rip on sequels. Sequels always get a bad rep. Maybe they're not so bad. Maybe it's just because the order that you watch it in matters. (gasps) Like the VHS tapes turning you into a zombie. And it's held true now. So VHS 2 was our sixth movie, or sixth pairing. And now, like, this is held true throughout 25 pairs of movies. Why do you think that we're liking the sequel better? I think something is to be said the first time you're introduced to a story and to characters. You know, it's a first impression. It's really important. And I think you get swept away even without having that original introduction. Because then the sequel becomes your first introduction. Yeah, I think so too. I think that if yeah, I think if more people watch the sequel first then the sequel would not be so... Wouldn't get such a bad rap. Exactly. Another thing I think is that one of the things that we've noticed, too, is that the sequel often takes things up a notch. Yes. So the sequels could go a couple different ways. Sometimes they go, they're a completely different movie. Sometimes they try to pick what worked in the first movie, and they're wrong about it, like Too Fast, Too Furious. And then... Sometimes they take what was good about the first movie and just amp it up to 11. Yeah, if you killed three people in the first movie, you're killing 20 in the sequel. Yeah, and so I think if you watch the first one first, so let's say you watch the first Expendables, you like it. Then you go to watch the second Expendables, which first of all was directed by Simon West, which we revealed on the pod, who directed Con Air. So Expendables One 2. of our all-time favorite movies. Yeah. So Expendables 2 is insane. So it ups the body count. More crazy kills. More hilarious lines. Everything is over the top more and more and more. Same with like Crank 2. 
Um, any Jason Statham movie, really. Transporter 2. But other movies, too, they ratchet it up a notch. So I think if you watch the first one, then watch the sequel, you're like, oh, this is it's kind dumb. Of, it's a come down. Because you went from excitement and energy and ramped up to more tame and relaxing. Yeah, so it's so to us it seems worse because you're you're slowing it down now. Yeah. But I think for other people the second one seems worse because it seems dumber. It's dumbed down. Yeah. Then there's something that we hit upon and we've talked about it a lot since then. We've referenced it a lot. It's something that we call the honey dilemma. Yes. So I want to play a little clip from our uh, episode Honey 2 Part 2 where we discuss the original Honey uh, where we first talk about the honey dilemma. I think I'm going to have to go with Honey the original. Although Honey 2 was fun. <sighs> honey 2 was terrible, but at least it had no ambitions to be anything better. It was just a direct-to-DVD, just non-stop dancing little bit of plot movie. It was polished. This, it was fun. Yeah, this tried to be a real movie about dancing, and it had some dance numbers. But it, I mean, it was like a complex plot. None of it is good. What? It's like, fantastic. <laughs> no, what a- it's, none of it is interesting. Would you ever rewatch this movie? I'm telling you, these are the kinds of movies that <laughs> they come on on a Saturday afternoon no. and you get pulled into the allure. I would watch Honey 2 again before I watched Honey again. See, here's my thing. I might rewatch Honey 2 more than I rewatch Honey, but I think if I had to pick the better movie, I would pick Honey. I just... I don't I, think those things are mutually exclusive. I don't know. I think, like, is it... I see what you're like, saying. I want to reward Honey for trying to rise above, like trying to be more than just a dance movie, for trying to say something serious. But it failed. So is it better to like at least try and fail or to set the bar real low and be like, we're just going to have abs and flips and dance and music nonstop I think and pull that off? I mean, you have to, you, you're giving the message of Honey. It's better to try <laughs> and fail than to not try. But, I don't know if it is. All right, I, don't, so I don't know if I agree with the I'm saying honey. honey was the better movie. I'll say Honey too. So I think that that Honey dilemma outlines the better movie juxtaposed against the more fun, rewatchable movie. And then when we're choosing which one would you rather watch again, is it the better piece of cinema or the more fun? Yeah, so I think that might be skewing our results too. But may, uh, so maybe we shouldn't be evaluating it like that. Should be should we be picking what we think is the better made movie or should we pick the one that we liked better? It's like which sister do you want to take on a date? <laughs> the better looking one or the fun party girl? <laughs> like one who's who are you going to have a better time with? One is a nice package. One offers a good time out. Um, but that's why I think for a few of these, I know personally, I have flip-flopped between choice of movie and then fun time. Case yeah. in point, Cube. That's when another we come one I was thinking it. of, yeah. Cube 2, <laughs> one of the best movies I've gotten out of this whole experiment. And more fun, but the better movie is Cube. So if I had to choose... Which one I would rewatch? Which one I would recommend to people? Because I think that's important too. Yeah. Um, which one I would want to introduce people to the genre with? Yeah. It's going to be Cube too. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of close calls like that. There's 
there's some movies where we've both clearly been like, that was b- way better. <laughs> um, I don't know, like Ride Along comes to mind. Ride Along 1 is actually a good movie. Ride Along 2 is horrible. Yeah. Um, and then there's some where it's like, yeah, I don't know. I could go either way, depending on the criteria that I'm using to evaluate. So the honey dilemma has come up for us a lot. Number four in our best moments is from Cube 2, Sex, Sex, then they have sex (laughs) which is fine i mean if you're trapped in a cube you might as well you might as well and then we find out (laughs) i don't even know how to explain this i this is what i have written down (laughs) okay corpse death sex in space joined together Amazing. <laughs> Basically, they have sex until they starve to death, I think. Or they have sex till they get old and die. I don't think they have sex until. <laughs> nope, I think I it's happening. I don't think the word until exists. I think they have sex in one reality, but their dead corpses joint at the genitals in another reality. <laughs> Wait, were and they joint at the genitals? When they showed their body <laughs> twisting in the cube, they were conjoined. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we have to go back and watch that. <laughs> that was my favorite scene. It took up half, Mine too. half a piece of paper. It just says, what? <laughs> so when we watch these movies, most of the time we agree on whether we liked the movie, whether we didn't like the movie. Most of the time we agree on what happened in the movie. But sometimes, even though we're watching the movie together, at the same time, we come away with very different ideas of what happened. This category is called debates. So for those of you that haven't listened to the podcast or are just starting, the formula is we watch the movie side by side in the same room, taking notes, but without commentary. So when we start talking about the movie... This fresh. It's for the first time. And as we're doing the podcast, we uncover some topics where we had some conflict. Right. So one of my favorites is the movie Pup Star. So Pup Star was about a singing dog. It was a world where all dogs could talk and cats. When we watched the original Pup Star, we thought we were going to get maybe the origin story of why dogs talk. And we're still not sure if we did or not. So take a listen. Yeah, I have a laugh for Never Predicted. They're, they have developed some evolutionary dog treats. Wait. What? We might be in different places on this. We might be off on this. What Dogs can talk because they're evolutionary dog treats. I got... No, I thought that was... What? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs> we may disagree on that. I thought that dogs just evolved to start talking. We learn this in a commercial for the dog treats that they call evolutionary dog treats. But I thought that they were just dog treats. Like, that was just the name of the dog treat. (laughs) Wait, 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 wait a second. Because I built a lot (laughs) of what I could have never predicted around the fact that the treats were developed to be fed to dogs. So this was a forced evolutionary dog treat? Yes. Well, I didn't get any of that. No, I thought that the dogs just evolved. Because 
Because I think that's why cats don't talk in this one, because cats haven't evolved yet. No, because that's cats why... aren't eating treats. <laughs> so in between the first and second, you think they invent a cat evolutionary treat? Or the cats eat the dog treats. No, I think you're wrong. I think <laughs> it's just natural evolution that dogs start talking. We just learned that through the commercial for the treats. I want... That was just a clever way to get that information to us. If you're listening, please write in. <laughs> All the animals are evolving, but dogs just hit first. And so they're like the rulers of the talking animal world because they were the first to evolve, just like humans. We... Could not have more different <laughs> takes on this movie. I have so much about the treats. I have questions written down. I think it was natural evolution. Okay, I think it's dog treat based. That's why I was like, why would humans be feeding the dog these treats? Are they feeding them these treats and then they just learn dogs can sing? <laughs> and then I have so many things written. Do the dogs need the treats to talk to each other? Hey, we're all were these all the great questions you were telling me about before we started? You're like, oh man, I got all these great questions for the podcast. Are they? Were they all about the treats? <laughs> There's a good amount. Oh, no. So as you heard, we're still unclear. Although I don't know, the more I listen back, I think maybe they're evolving. Maybe you think I'm right. I might defer I won to the you. Debate. I might defer to you. That being said, it still doesn't make sense. I still stand by the fact that if you name your product Evolutionary Dog Treats, it sounds like you're evolving the dogs. It would make sense to all of your questions as to cats and birds and their slow evolution. They're eating treats off the street, leftovers from the dogs. It was why they wanted a 500-pound bag of treats as a bribe for their crimes. No, you're so wrong about that one. Mm. Uh, Still a hot debate. Another one, this is not really like a heated debate, but it was one that I think is important. And this was in Honey 2, where we're talking about what happens when somebody leaves your dance crew, then realizes their mistake and wants to come back. Sometimes, sometimes one member of your crew will go to another crew. But no. But it's a mistake. That, uh... That to me, you gotta let your crew members make mistakes. See, I don't think you're familiar with the genre. That is a cardinal sin. I'm just saying, if I have my own dance crew and somebody in my crew got seduced by a different crew, but then they realized their mistake and wanted to come back, I'd let them back in. I'd be the bigger person. Now, what would the name of your dance crew be? Great question. I mean, Beat Freaks was my favorite of the six names, so I feel like it would be something like that. Um, I thought HD Crew was a terrible name. I'd probably be like Funky Fresh Crew, something like the that. Funky Fresh Crew, something like that. But uh, no, that's that's a little too generic. It has to be something more specific. Maybe I, like whew, something a play with my name, like Patrick. Patrick's Funky Fresh. How's that Patrick a play on your tricks. name? <laughs> Hold on. All, right. All right, look, I'm on the spot here. <laughs> Patrick and the Tricks, something like that. For some reason, I Patrick feel like Tricks. I don't know about that one. It sounds like Pat- a magician. <laughs> Patches Batch. <laughs> I think that's a winner. <laughs> and up next, we have Patches Batch. <laughs> 
You're gonna cause fear in the streets with that kind of name. Yeah, out of the crew. No ifs, ands, or buts. They would either they betrayed you. A dance crew is all about trust. They would have to dance their way back in. They would have to challenge the person you put in in their place in a dance off, oh. and only then regain their honor. Okay. And get back in the crew. I like that. There's the dance off loophole. Here's the real reason I wanted to play this clip. I can't believe that I let you off the hook with this. What would be the name of your dance crew? Oh. I'm so glad you asked that. <laughs> you had your name in yours. Patches I, Batch. Patches Batch. I don't know that I would do that. Okay. I would call my dance crew Soul Survivor. S-O-L-E. Whoa. Wait. I thought it was going to be S-O-U-L. No. Like the soul of a shoe. <laughs> Yes! Soul Survivors. I stand by that. <laughs> so bad. What? I think I'm starting a dance crew when we're done recording this podcast. Um, but how is anybody going to know when they see it that you're talking about the soul of a shoe? They'll know. <laughs> it's a play on words. It's a play on... No, but what? It, it's a triple play. We haven't had a triple pun since... Brothers-in-law from <laughs> Ride Along. Soul, soul of your shoe. S-O-U-L, because we're dancing from the heart. Right, right. Soul like you're alone, because we're the only ones left standing on our dancing legs. Wow. It's really, I, really bad. I believe uh, that's what you call you just got served. <laughs> uh, and then the next debate that I wanted to play... I think that you realize that you're wrong, but I just like the fact that we had to pause the podcast, go back and rewatch the movie to find out. This happened just recently in Grown Ups when you were real confused about David Spade's dad's character. Then I never could have predicted they go to David Spade's family's house. His last name in the movie is Earnshaw. So I never would have predicted that we got David Spade's family's last name. Wait, that's not his last name. (laughs) It is. What? Whose last name is Earnshaw? I don't know. David Spade's last name is like Higgins. Well, they call his dad Mr. Earnshaw, and then he pats the little David Spade kid on the shoulder, and then they say, thanks for letting us use your boathouse. Wait, but David Spade's dad's like some alcoholic in the... That's why I was really, I never predicted they could be rich. <laughs> Wait, but then why doesn't he still own it? Why is Adam Sandler renting it then? I have no idea. That's why this <laughs> is my never predicted. I think you were too busy looking at David Spade's butt and you somehow missed out on whose boathouse it was. So whose boathouse is it? Who's Mr. Some, Earnshaw? Nobody. It's just some random citizen. No. I don't think it was David Spade's family. Who are the Earnshaws? (laughs) I think the Earnshaws were just some random man in the town. I don't think that's just whoever owned the lake house or the boathouse, whatever. It was so confusing then because they go, thanks, Mr. Earnshaw. David Spade's dad pats David Spade on the back and says, no problem, son. What? You're not going to make me have to go back and rewatch Grown Ups, are you? I think we should pause it right now. All right, I think we should. Hold on. All right, we'll be back. Pause it. All right, and we're back. In a reverse <laughs> sequels first. 
We paused everything to rewatch that scene. And I'm still confused. No, he the coach is giving a speech after the championship. He says, thank you to the Earnshaw family for lending us this boathouse. Yes. Then David Spade's dad just goes, yeah. He's not Earnshaw. He's, <laughs> he's cheering the Earnshaws for letting them be in the house. Who are the Earnshaws? Why name <laughs> drop them? Know. Why name drop them? And I then, why is David Spade's dad the only dad at the dinner? <laughs> I th- they just wanted to give David Spade some background. Let him know that. Let us all know he had an alcoholic father. Uh, at the championship <laughs> dinner? Why? <laughs> it was so unnecessary. Why would you make up a character of the Earnshaws who own a boathouse? <laughs> they didn't make up the character. They just. They're real. They just, yeah, you don't know the real Earnshaws? No, they just had a name. They just wanted to say it was somebody's lake house. It's unacceptable. All right, fine. So I guess that I never predicted is that they would make up an Earnshaw family to own a boathouse. Who are the Earnshaws? I stand by it. Who are the Earnshaws? I don't know if this is so much of a debate, but a confusion. Uh, yeah, the debate m- m- kind of morphed into, was it important that the Earnshaws be established more? Or no. was it okay to let them just be a throwaway named character? So my question to you is, is that vital to a script? When we're writing our sequel first, is that vital to a script? That every named character has to be like... A character. A character. Yeah, I think so. Yes, okay, one for me. (laughs) This is great. This is resolving a lot of conflicts. Definitely. Okay, now we've never done this before. We never usually have, um, you know, ads on the show. We're just doing this for free at the bottom of our heart. But we actually, since it's our 50th episode special, we actually were able to line up some endorsements. Um, So we're just going to play a quick word from our sponsor right now. Take a listen. Sky Zone. Sky Zone. The Sky Zone looks fucking incredible. Mm-hmm. I want to go to Sky Zone tomorrow. Okay. I want to do, yeah, they have the joust. They had everything. Oh, I would do the basketball. I want to dunk a basketball for the first time <laughs> in my life. That part at Sky Zone is jumping around a little bit, but had my absolute favorite part of the movie. It does sleep with one of the workers at Sky Zone who looks like he's like 16. <laughs> Except for the one part where Mila Kunis, instead of going to the five-hour Russian nutcracker, goes to uh, Sky Zone instead. But other than that... I feel like you're just taking every opportunity to name drop Sky Zone. I want to go. I want to go to the Sky Zone. He did, but he had a lot of great facial expressions. He did. He really did. He was having a ball at the Sky Zone. <laughs> <laughs> do you know about Sky Zone? Yeah. Oh, man. That sounds great. What was the name of it again? It's called the Sky Zone. They have a couple near us. I looked it up. Uh, no. <laughs> if any of you want to meet up at Sky Zone, send us an email. I think... But she was the one that pushed for them to be friends. When they were at this place called the Sky Zone, if you'll recall, Christine Brancy was sitting by herself, and Cheryl Hines came up, offered her a churro, and just sat and was like, where are we going for Christmas? Where do you like to, what church do Wait, you go for Christmas Eve? Like, they have churros at the Sky Zone? According to this movie, they did. <laughs> I'm going to be bouncing, dunking a basketball, eating a churro, having a blast. Do you want to talk about our favorite chicken restaurant? Oh, Popeye's Chicken, Louisiana Fast. 
is named after Popeye Doyle from this movie. Yes. For years, I thought Popeye's was named after the character Popeye or who knows what. Popeye the Sailor Man. Yes. No, it's named after the nickname of Popeye Doyle. Yeah, because the guy who founded Popeye's just liked this movie. Blows my mind. I know. And makes me want Popeye's. I know. I love those biscuits. I love those chicken from Popeye's. (laughs) Popeye's, if you're listening, we'll gladly sponsor you. The mashed potatoes are great. We're pro Popeye's. Biscuits, pro Popeye's. Long way. I mean, the crazy part of that, too, is you could walk up to the counter and just be like, airplane ticket to Washington, D.C., please. And then you just got on the airplane. Yeah. You're not on kayak two months before trying to find the best day to fly out. You just walk right over the counter. We're, I mean, we love kayak. We love Popeye. Look at all these plugs. That's another one of my big questions. How much money did Kentucky Fried Chicken pay to be in this movie and be sponsored so prominently but in ways that didn't make me want to eat kentucky fried chicken you said this movie made 270 million (laughs) i'm gonna guess 235 million (laughs) dollars that was was all paid by kfc yeah because there's a couple mentions there's one where in the funeral speech adam sandler heckles or he gets heckled by Kevin James while giving a speech at a funeral and then tells him he eats too much Kentucky Fried Chicken and that's why he's fat. Yeah. That's how you want to sell your product? Then later they're scattering the ashes of the coach and Rob Schneider reaches in the bucket of chicken with his ash hand. And gets ash all over the chicken. And then mm-hmm. Kevin James is like, I'm hungry, I'm going to eat it anyway. I mean, you want death and obesity associated <laughs> with your product. Some weird choices by KFC. This was not well thought out. No. I should I, be working for KFC. Uh, yeah. That name again is KFC. <laughs> KFC, give us money and we'll plug you way better than this movie. And we're back. Thank you to those amazing sponsors. Skyzone, love you. <laughs> KFC. I'm amazed that we got KFC and Popeyes to both sponsor us. Unheard of for a podcast. I mean... When you're listening to a podcast about movies, you want a bucket of fried chicken. So if you're listening, Church's Chicken, (laughs) we're waiting for you. All right, now we're back with another one of our best moments. We're on to number three. This one, uh, it could be higher. That's just how good the next two are. This is one of the craziest things we've ever seen in a movie. I think you know what we're talking about. Baby geniuses, baby intercourse. Then comes the single most disturbing thing I've ever seen in a movie in my entire life. (laughs) Two babies have sex. I'm just... (laughs) There's no other way to say it. In this movie, Baby Geniuses, it's heavily implied that two infants have sex with each other. Sexual intercourse between two babies. This is supposed to be a movie for children. He jumps in the stroller. And there's, it's an occupied stroller, of course. The mother starts wheeling the baby away. There's a girl baby inside. He says, I'm going to need your clothes. No, well. Or sorry, what does he say? That would have been, I wrote this down word for word. Okay, good. He jumps in the stroller. He had just discarded his costume. Right. And at first blush, maybe this is innocent. He says, take off all your clothes. To this girl baby who's dressed very femininely. Yeah. And she goes, okay, Slick, at least you can take me out to dinner first. 
horrified. <gasps> We're both horrified. Those are babies. Then, what? then it gets even worse. Then we don't see what's happening because it's the external I of mean, the stroller. Thank God we don't see what's. We see the stroller rocking, the- but we didn't come and knocking. <laughs> then the next scene. Sylvester gets out of the stroller, dressed in all of the girl baby's clothing. Right. Flash to the girl baby with his cigar in her mouth. She's smoking, post-coital smoking. Yep. And she says, call me. <laughs> if these Gross. babies did not have sex, what just happened? Oh, my God. These babies had sex. What? Uh, can't even. I almost turned off the movie right there, but I persevered because I'm a <laughs> professional. Why would you put that in a movie for children? Why I can't that you would wanna... you put that in a movie for anybody? <laughs> I mean, I get you want to put some adult stuff in there for the adults that have to take their kids, but not jokes about babies fucking. It's not funny. Like, if I'm an no. adult watching this with my child... I wouldn't say, oh, how cute, or that's a joke for me. I would be horrified. First of all... I'm taking my children out of the theater. It's also disconcerting to see babies with cigars in their mouths. (laughs) Well, that didn't bother me so much. I mean, (laughs) sometimes a cigar is just a cigar, but... Oh, not in this case. Those babies had sex. And it was, you know, just random sex, too. It's not like (laughs) they knew each other. Yeah. I mean, if you're if you're six months old, there's probably not a high chance of sexually transmitted diseases. Uh, who knows in the baby community? And how did that mother not know what was going on right under her nose? Can you imagine if you turned around and looked in your stroller? Your baby was <laughs> fucking another baby. <laughs> Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, well, that oh, happened. Who? Also, again, explain why these babies are not allowed pants. <laughs> yes. Yeah, why thing. can't babies wear pants? Who puts socks and shoes on a baby without putting on pants? Yeah, that's just the look of these movies, I guess. That's the look of the franchise. I don't know. Maybe it's for easy access. Oh, God. Are we going to go to jail for watching this? <laughs> I, like, I bought the DVD. I feel like... Now we want to get into awards. So this, we're going to do just one each. Oh. I've got some categories. All I right. need you to give me just one. First category. Your rightest right. Now... If you've been listening to this podcast, you know that I'm an expert <laughs> at guessing in reverse. I'm going to have to go with my rightest right. My proudest moment is probably going to be the cube count. The number of people in cube, the original, who enter the cube. I predicted someone would die and be replaced. I think that's unparalleled. Yeah. The in cube, my prediction. The cube count was a great one. What's your rightest right? I think my rightest right... Baby geniuses. So I predicted that they they would start in a laboratory. There would be a baby that escaped from the laboratory, and that he would meet up with some other babies and train them. Yeah. All, all right. You nailed it. I'm it's sad like, that that's the movie that I nailed it for, but I did. It's like you're an adult genius. 
All right, I like this category. Right is right, but then that has to come with wrongest wrongs. What would you say is your wrongest wrong prediction? I'm going a little out of the box for this one. So this is not... I mean, sometimes we're way off. Sometimes we're, we're, we're totally off. This one wasn't so way off. This was just about a character okay. that we thought would be in the first one and wasn't. That happens. Happens a lot. Here's the problem. In Ride Along 2, there's an opening scene where Ice Cube has a partner that we, for some <laughs> reason, just decided was DMX. We were like, that looks like DMX. We kept talking about Ice Cube's partner, DMX. Then we were like, we predict that DMX will be in the first one. DMX is not in the first one, because that's not even DMX. So not only were we wrong about him being in the first one, we're also wrong about it not being DMX, but it's also worse because you know who it was? Tyrese from Too Fast, Too Furious. How did we not recognize Tyrese? Why did we think he was DMX? Yeah, that's real confusing. Uh, First of all, though, I'd like to take issue with the fact that this wrongest wrong category is individual, and you're bringing a we in there. So, (laughs) I'd like you to not share the blame, although I I did take part in it. We both thought it was DMX, though, which is, I think it's crazy. So, I think it's it's the wrongest wrong. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that's a pretty wrong wrong. What's yours? I know I've mentioned this already, but I'm going to have to go with thinking Paul Blart's wife was dead. You're going the very first episode. It blew my mind. It's still blown. In the next one, you or in the original, you see his wife and him on a donkey, and she ran off. She yeah. ran away. I want to know everything about that. Their relationship, why she ran away, where they were riding that donkey. Blew my mind. Yeah. All right. I do have one. If you want me to take one that's just my own. Yeah. I do have one. In Bad Moms Christmas, predicting the original Bad Moms, I was so adamant that the moms could not have met because their kids all went to the same school because <laughs> the age ranges didn't match up. I was wrong. That's okay. exactly how they met. They okay. were all at the same school. Right. I'm still mad about it, but I was wrong. <laughs> I think that's fair. All right. Rightest rights. Wrongest wrongs. Next category, obviously, the most outrageous never predicted. I mean, there were so many that took me by surprise. I mean, I have a very obvious one. I know, and it might be the same one that I have. That's okay. If it's the one I'm thinking of, there is no other possibility. For the most outrageous never predicted, I think that there's no contest. It has to be in Baby Geniuses when two babies have sexual intercourse (laughs) in a stroller on the street. There's no other answer. That's absolutely mine, too. I have some others written down as, like, backups so we wouldn't have the same one. No, I'm not... I can't say anything else when there was a movie where two babies fucked. Yeah. That's the most outrageous thing I've ever seen in a movie. All right, next category. Best one-liners from the movies that we've watched. We've watched 50 movies. What lines stand out to us? I know what mine is. I mean, of course you need a little bit of context. So Dolphin Tail. I knew you were going to pick this one. It's so dark. (laughs) And it's said by a child. Dolphin Tail, we get the story between Sawyer and Hazel. Sawyer is telling Hazel that his father is left and it's hard on him. You know, he never calls, he never writes. Hazel retorts that her mom died. 
You know how it is. She never calls. She never writes. God. It's so dark, so funny, well (laughs) delivered. That's my top one-liner. Yeah, that one is great. Mine is also kind of dark. I don't know what that says about us, but mine is also kind of dark. Also in a movie you might not expect. It's got to be, for me, Honey 2, Mr. Kapoor. She asked him to dance, and he says, I only dance at the funerals of people I hate. <laughs> God, what a great line. I think it's because these lines are unexpected in the context. Yeah. There were other maybe funnier lines, but these just out of nowhere. Okay, now, those are the best lines from the movies that we've watched. What about our best lines? Oh. Our best puns that we've made on the podcast. Well, I'm going to have to give best line to you. I'm going to have to doff my cap. Again, dolphin tail. I was talking about all the legalities of housing two dolphins together. What I found out was a lot of dolphin legal terms. Okay. (laughs) I found out a lot of dolphin... Habeas porpoise. (laughs) Is that one? This is my favorite of yours. I don't. It just it hit me in the right spot. It's from Grown Ups. You're talking about how long and boring a lot of the scenes from Grown Ups were. So I felt like this was a great pun because it was also a great criticism of the movie. There were just long scenes of nothing. Yeah. Like, you watched them eat s'mores for 20 minutes. This was almost Mm. like some kind of avant-garde art (laughs) cinema verite, where it's just like, let's watch people at a water park for 25 minutes, then let's watch them go on a picnic, then let's watch them eat s'mores. You know what I would have liked? Cut those scenes out. (laughs) Make a five-minute s'more scene. You know what I want? (laughs) Smless. <laughs> Done. End the podcast right now. No, it's not. It's, we're not talking that. Ah, I love that line. That was a great pun. These movies bring out the best in us. What can I say? They really do. The runner-up for best moment. We said it thirteen times in the podcast. One of the best moments in movie history. VHS. Dick and balls. And then, right in front of his face, his she rips his entire dick and balls off. The entire package. She rips off the naked guy's whole dick and balls and throws it like an inch from his friend's face. And, and from our faces, too. I've never seen that in a movie before. I've never seen a full dick and balls be ripped off by and then shown yeah. by anybody, demon, <laughs> demon or otherwise. I've never seen a whole dick and balls be ripped off and thrown onto the ground and shown. Needless to say, I was hooked. You don't see a lot of dick and balls in a normal movie. Right. And then then the odds are even less that you'll see one get ripped off. It was spectacular. If she had just ripped the dick off, I'd be like, that was awesome. But the whole thing, the the whole whole the whole twig and berries... The whole thing. And I was ready to crown this the greatest movie I'd ever seen. She flung them across the room. My question is, maybe she just doesn't know how humans have sex. 
Maybe that's how... she thought that was sex? That's how demons do it. No. Because is she eating them? I don't think she's eating them. No, just ripping them apart. She's just ripping them to shreds. My, I think that she killed them because she genuinely liked the guy with the glasses. She wanted to hook up with him, and then basically his two friends were trying to like date rape her, so she murdered them. Okay, that sounds fair to me. Because she didn't murder the passed out girl. She didn't murder the passed out girl. Um, Which, also, imagine that girl waking up. Like, waking up and, man, I had too much to drink. Oh, my God. There's, just, there's a dick and balls on the floor. <laughs> what happened here last here's night? Here's what I imagine happens. She wakes up. She sees the guy she was into slaughtered on the bed. She freaks out. She tries to run out the door. Steps in the dick and balls. Because it was near the door. They should have had that in VHS, too. You know what I mean? And then maybe she slips on it. That's, and then, and then <laughs> oh, she's, the classic slip on the dick and balls. <laughs> and then she's like face to scrote. That, you know that, what I mean? That would have been a great gag. Yeah. They should have had that in VHS, too. <laughs> or a VHS outtakes. I just imagine she's going trying to tell people, like, oh, my God, I had so much to drink last night. I passed out in this hotel room with these two guys. And they're like, oh, my God, did you did you get raped? Um, no, I woke up and they were dead, and one of their dicks was lying on the ground, ripped <laughs> off of his body. Dick and balls. <laughs> and, and, um, I mean, I also wonder if she woke up and thought, did I do this? <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did I kill two men in my sleep and rip one of their dicks off? I mean, I'm the best. Sometimes you have too much to drink, and the next morning's hazy. You're just like, "What? Wait, did I? Did I do this?" Here's the category I'm really excited about: best death. Oh, we watched a lot of great movies with some great death scenes. I have, I have two, so I'm gonna have to have one as my runner-up. Okay, I, I will allow it. I think. Without a doubt, the best death that we've seen over the course of 50 movies, Jean-Claude Van Damme roundhouse kicks a knife into the heart of an innocent lad, killing him. (laughs) Amazing. That's the best death I've seen. Yeah. That's a great one. Bar none. Okay. That's also my number one, but Ooh. I had a runner-up because I thought you would pick that one. What's your runner-up? My runner-up is going to be from Cube oh. 2, Jerry's death. Oh, yeah. Jerry gets sucked into an in- <laughs> infinity cube and cut into infinity pieces till he vanishes. <laughs> First of all... I don't know if we're going to go here. He gets sliced to death by a multidimensional cube. I mean, one one of the worst ways to go, I think. He just gets absorbed into that cube. Uh, There's nothing better. I could have never fathomed it. Whoever wrote that death scene is one of my heroes. Those two deaths, spectacular. Both of the Cube movies had some amazing deaths. I mean, Cube 1 opens with that guy who gets cut up like a into cheese cubes. Yeah. That's not even my runner-up, though. No. So my number one is Jean-Claude, roundhouse kicking right. knife. I'm glad you Obviously. My runner-up is actually from Pacific Rim, the original. Oh. So Ron Perlman plays a character named Hannibal Chow. Yes. Uh, Pacific Rim, if you haven't seen it or listened to our pod about it, is about these creatures from another dimension called kaiju, 
They're like dinosaur Godzilla type creatures. And there's a baby one that is chasing after Charlie Day. And then it dies, we think. And then Hannibal Chow gives this big speech about him dying. And in the middle of the speech, the baby kaiju eats Hannibal Chow. <laughs> Love that. Love, that and, then, and then dies. And that was a surprise moment. That was great. Yeah. So that's my runner-up death. Oh, I have a few other deaths that I could throw in the, into the ring. Okay, we're picking just our top. Yeah. Just our top deaths. I mean, it's hard, but yeah, just the top deaths. Ooh, okay. Next category. So, we watch the sequel first not knowing anything. We only do a movie if neither one of us have watched the sequel or the original and don't know much about it. Then we watch the original also without knowing anything about it. After that, we like to look some stuff up. We like to do some research. We like to get out some interesting tidbits. What is your favorite research tidbit? I have a couple. Again, I might have to give you a top and a runner-up because it's hard to choose just one. But I think my favorite research tidbit is going to have to be the fact that Jason Statham, as the transporter, is intended as a gay action star. That one blew my mind and made everything I had seen, like, have to be rethought. Amazing. Amazing. And the director came out with this. Yeah. So like, this was the director's idea is that Frank was intended to be gay. And what I loved about that is that there's nothing. He never says I'm gay. He's just living his life as an action star as it should be. Yeah. He doesn't have to come out to the audience. There's no big reveal. That is a great one. I'm going to have to go with after Cube when you told me think about the colors of the rooms. Red, yellow, blue, green. I still wasn't getting it. Then you're like, it's supposed to be a Rubik's Cube. (laughs) (laughs) I had exploded. I never never thought that. I couldn't believe that. My runner-up, but not by much, it could be a tie for the first place, is that in French Connection, Popeye Doyle, (laughs) it's the nickname of the main character, the restaurant, Popeye's, one of our sponsors is named after the character in French Connection. Yeah, not the Sailor Man. But or not anything else. Specifically French Connection Popeye Doyle. Mind blowing. That one did blow your mind a lot. All right. Well, the next few categories I'm going to give to you just right off the bat. I want to know your favorite original movie, your favorite sequel, and your favorite three pairings of movies that you've seen out of the whole shebang. Ah, okay, that's a great, okay, great questions. Favorite original, Cube, the first Cube movie. I just thought it was so well done, it was clever, it was a mathematical, psychological thriller. How often do you see that? It was done on a low budget, it was like such a good idea that was well executed, it had cool death scenes, it had some unintentionally hilarious lines, but I like that in a movie. Um, it gave me a lot to think about afterwards. I really liked Cube. That's one I'm really glad I saw. Here's something that might surprise you. I'm also picking Cube as my favorite original movie. Although that does surprise me. When we did <laughs> that episode, I chose the sequel as my favorite. It was a classic Honey Dilemma. Cube 2 is really fun, but everything you said is absolutely right. Cube is a great movie. Well done, insightful, funny, and original. Yeah, very original. All right, favorite sequel. 
Favorite sequel, this one is easy for me. Transporter 2, I loved. It just, it kicked so much ass. It had so many creative fight scenes and like, I mean, like ballet levels of kicking from Jason Statham. Great lines, great action, hilarious, fun. Not to mention Melon action. The Melon Fists. Love Transporter 2. I'm also going with Transporter 2. <laughs> because- feeling all my answers. <laughs> Transporter 2, maybe out of the whole grouping of movies, the whole 50, might be my number one. Wow. In terms of, it was a, it was a fun action movie. It was a great movie. It was well acted, well cast. The pace was good. I can't find fault with that movie. I would recommend it to everyone I know. Okay. Next, my three favorite pairings. Yes. Now, in this, if I like one of the movies a lot but not the other one, is that eliminate it from my favorite pairings. We're looking at, instead of looking at these as 50 individual movies, I want you to look at 25 pairings of movies. What would be your top three? Mm, Family feud style. Okay. Cube is an easy one. I just told you I love the original Cube. I also love the sequel. The sequel was a lot of fun. It was... More hilariously bad. The acting was terrible, but it also had cool special effects, and it also, you know, had a bunch of cool ideas. Definitely Cube. Um, some I'm kind of sad. I think are out of the running. I think French Connection's out because the sequel wasn't very good. Ride Along sequel was terrible, so that's out. Even though I liked Ride Along one. I don't want to hear what's out. I want to hear all what's right, in. All right. Was Transporter 2 good enough to bring it in, even though Transporter one was not that great? That's I don't a great question. Think so I don't Whoa. think it was. I might go with the VHSs. Those were a lot of fun. Okay. And then this one might surprise you. I might go with Bad Moms. So, oh, like Bad yes. Moms was pretty funny. Consistent. They yeah. were consistent. And Bad Moms Christmas was like a fun Christmas movie. It had like that hilarious scene where Catherine Hahn waxes a guy's balls and taint. <laughs> Um, like e- each of those movies had scenes that if I was rewatching them, there would be some like funny moments. So I think if I was going with a pair, that might be my third pair. Okay. So again, we're seeing some similarities. I'm going to have to go with Transporter. Transporter is one of the ones that was, I think the sequel elevates the original. I'm going to take it. Also Cube, without a doubt, Cube 1 and 2. So I think in my ranking, if I'm doing it first place, second place, third place, Cube's number one. Okay. Transporter, ooh, is, hang on, and VHS. The VHSs were good. The second one was better, but the first one had that incredible, I know. Incredible first little movie. So you know what? In terms of sequels, Cube. Transporter, VHS. All right. Mm. Good choices. Oh, no. You're second guessing yourself? Q. What else is in the running? VHS, Transporter. If there's nothing oh. else in the running, I'm oh, just ranking. Oh, just the ranking. Okay. I have another category not on the list. What do you think is the single worst movie we've watched? I'm going to have to go with Agent Cody Banks, <laughs> the original. Really? Is that the one where I fell asleep four times? <laughs> yeah, that one took us a long time to get through. I think that one... We almost threw in the towel in that fourth movie. We that, almost gave up the whole podcast That idea. was really hard. I remember just 
my body willed itself into unconsciousness <laughs> several times during the course of that movie. It was so boring. So I'm... Ooh, no. Never mind. You know what? Scratch it. Without a doubt. Even though Cody Banks put me to sleep. What was I thinking? <laughs> Horrible bosses. <laughs> oh, I knew you were going to pick that. Oh, I thought you were going to give that movie a break since you went with Cody Banks, but... Horrible Bosses was terrible. Well, You were angry watching both of those movies. Yeah, the same way I would recommend those top three we just listed, I would, like, if someone was... If video stores are still around and someone had this movie in their hand or a ticket in line, I would smack it out of their hand like a grenade. I would caution people against these movies. That scene with Jennifer Aniston in the first one yeah, was so off-putting, so unsettling. I didn't drink vitamin water for months after that. Or what does she endorse? Some kind of water. Okay, I didn't hate Horrible Bosses as much as you. This was really down between a couple movies for me. Dolphin Tail. Wow. I just you hated it hated that much. It you did hate so Dolphin Tail much, especially the original. I fell asleep during that one too. <laughs> yeah, you left me on my own. <laughs> so, oh, I just thought both those movies I really hated, but the second one was almost fascinating in the sense that it shouldn't have been a movie and it had no plot and no conflict. The first one was more conventional and worse. Just, yeah, the original Dolphin Tail. Might be the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. Wow. I don't think it's that bad, but... I hated it. I was also going to say maybe Baby Geniuses, also maybe Pupstar. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Pupstar, no. Get get it away from these other movies. Baby Geniuses, even, not so bad. Horrible Bosses, Agent Cody Banks. Yeah, Agent Cody Banks was terrible. Okay, I also have one more category. We love it when a sequel has a subtitle. It doesn't happen often. It's happened 13 out of the 25 movies there's been a subtitle. I want to know, what's your favorite? So 13 times, I should say, not always a subtitle. Sometimes it's just a totally different title. So here are the different titles. Too Fast, Too Furious. Agent Cody Banks, Destination London. Clash of the Titans, Wrath of the Titans. Pupstar 2, Better Together. A Bad Mom's Christmas, Police Academy, Assignment Miami Beach, The Second Best Exotic Marigold Hotel, Cube 2, Hypercube, Super Babies, Baby Geniuses 2, Pacific Rim Uprising, Crank 2, High Voltage, or The Rainbow Trail after Riders of the Purple Sage. So I'm picking my favorite. Your favorite subtitle or a different title. I'm going to have to go with one of my favorite movies. Cube 2 Hypercube. God, yeah, that's a great one. Because I think that it encapsulates a lot about the movie. It carries it to another dimension, if you will. And um, they mention the title in the movie, which I love. Hypercube, also known as a Tesseract, Mm -hmm. also known as a cube within a cube. (laughs) So I'm going to have to go Cube 2 Hypercube. Although there are a couple that still give me pause, like Super Babies coming at the front. Yeah. End and just turning the whole naming convention on its head. Unheard of. 
Also, the second best exotic Marigold Hotel still gives me pause because is this the second in terms of a sequence or is it just not, not good? good? Yeah. <laughs> I like that one too. I also just realized looking at the list, I forgot Alien vs. Predator Requiem, but that's not even my favorite. My favorite by far is Pup Star 2 Better Together because they put the number two in together. Two also symbolizes the relationship between sister pups, Tiny and Scrappy. So I see why you like it. Oh, God. God, those movies were so bad. All right, that's all I have for our one-off categories. I think that about does it for our categories and awards. But along the way, we've noticed some other trends that have happened with this podcast. Namely, your obsession with Steven Seagal. I wouldn't call it an obsession. I would just say it makes sense to me every time why he might be in the original movie. I I see a place for him in every original movie, and I'm just shocked that it hasn't happened yet. But one of these days... He'll appear. He'll appear, for sure. Let's just take a listen. Who is this going to be? Who's it going to be? Steven Seagal? I'm going to say Steven Seagal. He's the only one left, right? I would love Steven Seagal in these movies. I'm, I'm going to get bold with my predictions because I know I'm going to be wrong it. about Go something. There's a bad guy and it's Steven Seagal. Okay. And he's getting his hands on some chemical weapons. You wanted it to be a bad guy with an accent? It might be Steven Seagal doing an Asian accent. All right. I, got, I did some research, as you know that I do. Oh. Guess who they asked to be in... The first Expendables. Who? Steven Seagal. They asked him to do a cameo. He said no. Really? Because, well, Steven Seagal's crazy. Sure. And he had beef with the producer of the movie. Who's the villain in the first one? Somebody we know? Yes. It's got to be somebody we know. I'm going to say yes. Steven Seagal? It's not going to be Steven Seagal, unfortunately. I think it's going to be... Okay. I think you Maybe may, Justin Guarini? You may get... Oh, definitely this is a Guarini-type <laughs> movie. But I think you're going to get a real American Idol okay. um, winner as a voice. Okay. I'm going in a slightly different direction. I don't think it's going to be a singer. Well, sort of a singer, but he's not so much known for that. I think Steven Seagal is going to be in this movie. <laughs> no, get out of here. <laughs> I think there's going to be a Steven Seagal dog. What, how would he fit in? What? How would he not fit in? He's maybe Mark's henchman. He's a dog that can do karate. Ooh, a karate dog I could see. Yeah, there's no karate dogs in the Your second one. Your quest for a movie with Steven Seagal is relentless. It's going to happen one of these days. Because look, at there's all these weird parallels. Lil Peanut is wo- the voice of one of the dogs. Lil Peanut, if you remember, was also in Ride Along. Yeah, that's true. There's just... There's Dead Wives, Paul Blart's Baby Mama's in this one, we think. The accent's that of Honey's. Yeah, there's a lot of crossover. So one of these days, Steven Seagal's going to be in it. He'll, he'll appear. Don't worry. Bob Odenkirk? Let's say Bob Odenkirk, I think, could be in the first one. Okay. I was thinking somebody somebody also like an improv guy, but younger, like a Jason Matsukas. Could be in there. Sure. Yeah. Or like, mm, maybe a Steven Seagal. <laughs> You're just trying to get it in anywhere you can with Steven Seagal. <laughs> this is um, this is sound weird, but do you think Steven Seagal will be in this movie? 
I think of all the movies, this would be the best shot for him to be in. There's a fair chance he may appear and like be in this movie. Like this is my one shot for him to be in. This is a martial arts movie in the late '80s. I'm gonna give you a strong 65% chance. I'm gonna I'm gonna go for it again. I'm gonna guess, and if he's not in this one, I might give up on that prediction. Um, you know what else I predict that we are going to see Chris Penn. Do the splits. Whoa! What? <laughs> yeah. They're all good, Mom. Just wanted to order Chinese food and chill. I yeah. get that. All right. So, for your final prediction, you're saying, give me the layout. Okay. Top to bottom. We see Mila Kunis. She's in an unhappy marriage. She's married to this guy. He's kind of a jerk. He's weird. He, like, thinks he's a cop. He's, like, in really into Buddhism and martial arts. He has a ponytail. She's like, look, Steven Seagal. It's not working out. We have to get a divorce. First of all, no one would divorce Steven Seagal. Second of all, then this would be called Amazing Dad's Christmas. Let me lay this on you. It's also a man. He's American, so he could do a British accent. Steven Seagal. Oh. I mean, I think he's also, you know, a sir in some realm. I, Not from England, but one of these been days, knighted somewhere. You're gonna get your Steven Seagal, but I don't think it's in the best exotic you, marigold. You don't think hotel. so? You couldn't see Steven Seagal as plowing Maggie Smith. Well, maybe another person goes crazy like Simon does. Maybe there's a, another human villain in the cube, and I think there's one hero. I think it'll be a man. The hero will kill the bad guy, and then we'll think he escapes the cube, but we won't know. And that hero's name? <laughs> Steven Seagal. <laughs> no, I wasn't even going I there. I thought you were setting no, me up. I wasn't even going there. I think the pilot of Valor Omega is Steven Seagal. Get out I of think here. Valor Omega just sounds like a Seagal name. But maybe we'll get another... Somebody who's cameo. not an actor. Yeah. Predict. Steven Seagal. Another thing, another trend, so you talk about my obsession with Steven Seagal. Another thing that I've noticed on a lot of these podcasts is that you love to do impressions. Impressions of (laughs) characters that we've seen in the movies, and some of them are really good. I know at least a few people (laughs) who thought we really went out and recorded a dolphin for the podcast. That was all me. That was all Ellie. So here are some of my favorite Ellie impressions from the podcast. Here's the police again. Who was that? <laughs> Wait, which character was that? <laughs> Hi, welcome to Reverse Sequels. Oh, I design video games. I get. I can't Is that even your do Canadian that. accent? And then she's like, "You're not just being sweet because you want to have sex with me." I mean, if you got it. Flaunt it. No. <laughs> All right. And ending the show today, our best moment. You've been waiting for it. Number one coming in. This one is a little unfair because some of this you didn't hear. Left on the cutting room floor. Trust me, this is the best moment. Trying to recap Dolphin Tale 2. Ellie could not get through it without laughing. Here are her attempts. That's right. (laughs) Dolphin's Tale 2 is a movie about dolphins.
your best your best recap yet. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> this is our first movie inspired by true events. It's based on the story of two real life dolphins. <laughs> okay. Dolphins Tale 2 tells the story of two dolphins. <laughs> oh, man. It does. It does, yeah. Okay, wait. Mm. Is it dolphin or dolphin's tail? Dolphin Tail 2 is inspired by true events. It tells the story of two dolphins, Winter and Hope, and a third dolphin that nobody cares about named Mandy. <laughs> Everybody cares about Mandy. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> What's this movie about? <laughs> there <you> go. <laughs> Dolphin's Tale 2 is our first movie inspired by true events. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Alright. <laughs> Okay, we can do it this time, I feel it. What we first start with is... <laughs> there's... Mm. What we first start with is there's a little girl on the beach. Mm-hmm. And her name's Mandy. <laughs> yeah. I wrote down a little girl, little dolphin. I can't. <laughs> oh, yeah, you said he's an animal trainer. He's got a special bond. <laughs> he does. He has a special bond. With their head dolphin. Who has no tail. He just has a special bond with their head dolphin, Winter. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't he? Is head dolphin the official title? She's a... Not an amputee. What would she be? Yeah, she's an amputee. Who amputated her tail? We'll find out in the first one. <laughs> Give me one more dolphin impression. <laughs> so good. I had no idea you had this talent. What was that? No, I don't <laughs> That about wraps it up. We've watched 50 movies. We've put together this award clip show documenting them all. <laughs> And we have our sights set on the next 50. Thank you for listening to these episodes. Thank you for the people that have listened to everyone. I hope you listen to the next 50 also. Appreciate all the support. Or just start with the next one. We don't want to overload no. everybody. No. If you listen to the next one, you're listening to the next 50. It's a commitment. <laughs> so thanks, everybody. As always, this is Patrick. And this is Ellie. This has been Reverse Sequels. 50th episode special. See you next time. Bye. Reverse sequel.